0: a beautiful sabbath day today huh it's cold outside though i'm not used to this cold weather i mean back in las vegas it'd be a lot warmer <laughs> but i'll get used to it i get to spend the whole winter up here so it's going to be a whole new experience for me being in the house 24 7 it's <laughs> probably what's going to happen isn't it so amen good to be here good to be here uh uh great sabbath school today and by the way now You know, as I prepared for this sermon, you know, quite a few weeks ago, I did not have the Sabbath school lesson quarterly yet, but you'll be so surprised. Uh, But this is the way God works as to how many things I talk about are just right in what was with the Sabbath school today. Love seeing when God does that. Um, Yeah, today we've, uh, right after the fellowship meal, we're going to get together and have a little... uh, Class, kind of a ministry success workshop. Talk about some strategies for successful ministries and things like that. Uh, seven, six o'clock tonight. Is it at six? Six o'clock tonight is uh, organize your life. That's time management, money management. Uh, by the way, Carol, I, I don't know where you get your information, but uh, she knows more about me than I know about myself. I, I, you know, she never got that from me, but it was very well. Uh, yeah. It's amazing, uh, the information that's out there. So, um, but uh, I, I think what I'll do today is I'm going to uh, give you a little bit of a, a, a quick testimony and give you a little journey about where God has taken me, and then I want to get into the, uh, the main uh, topics of the sermon that I'm going to be talking about today. And uh, I've got some real food for thought that's just going to turn your whole world upside down. So this is going to be one of those not-your-ordinary sermons today. So I think we'll start with prayer, though. Amen. Amen. Oh, Father, we just thank you so much for bringing us together and what a blessing it is to be in your presence. And we just humble ourselves before the foot of the cross, Lord. Lord, we ask for the forgiveness of our sins. And we know you're a righteous and just God that does forgive us of our sins. And Father, we just want to be worthy of being in your presence in this holy home that you have provided for us. And, uh, so we just ask that you're with us today, and I ask that you uh, use me as I surrender to you and be the words that need to be spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, we got to be in forgiveness. That's a big thing. In fact, uh, let me show this with you real quick when I'm thinking about it. It's in Kings. First uh, Kings, let me find it real quick here for you. First uh, 1 Kings 14.8, in fact. There's, it's three times in Kings, but I know First 1 Kings 14.8. Here. Now this is God talking, and it says, uh, 1 Kings 14.8, and it says, And tore the kingdom away from the house of David, and gave it to you, and yet you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments, and who followed me with all his heart, only to do what was right in my eyes. Now, here's God saying that David kept all his commandments, Now, wasn't David an adulterer and a murderer and a few other things? Uh, Even sent Uriah to the front lines, right? So how could God be saying that David kept all his commandments? And you'll find that three times in the Bible, by the way. And when I see things three times in the Bible, I really pay attention to it. But it just goes to show you that God not only forgives us of all of our sins, he literally forgets every one of our sins. Amen? Amen. I mean, that's one of the mysteries of God. We have got such a powerful God. Isaiah 43, uh, 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. Amen? I'm telling you, what a powerful God we have. And the only person that's going to bring up those sins of the past, that's Satan coming back saying, remember this, remember that. It's just Satan trying to bring back those things. When God has already forgiven and forgotten. So it's amazing. Um, now I'll save uh, I'll save my culinary career for tomorrow. Uh, a little history of my culinary career. Uh, back in Las Vegas, I was the youngest executive chef ever of a major casino in Las Vegas at the age of 24, and uh, uh, catering for celebrities like Jack Nicholas and Montel and Sticks and Journey and lots of rock bands and things like that. Uh, I, I actually. Business was so good, catering for all these private uh, celebrities and stuff, that um, and I had my own catering company there. I went down and applied for my liquor and gaming license and opened up a casino. Now, it takes a lot to get a liquor and gaming license in Las Vegas. You've got to go through all these FBI background checks. I mean, the application fees alone are in the thousands of dollars. And I funded this myself. I didn't have any partners or anything. And so they would do their FBI background checks. They actually called my grade school teachers to see what type of character I had. That's how in-depth it is. And then after you do your entire investigation, which takes months, then you have to appear in front of this review board. And there was five people on my review board panel, and they're all kind of perched up in this high area. And you have to go in front of them and actually confess your sins. Yeah! And you're sitting there, yes, I did that, and I did that. And as long as you confess your sins to them, then they say, "Uh, we have abolished your sins. You are now granted your gaming license. It's that crazy. Now, if you try to hide something, even if it's as little as a traffic ticket, and you don't tell them about it, and they find out, they will not grant you your license. And you have to go through the whole process all over again. But as long as you confess your sins. And some of these people, I could not believe the crimes that they had committed. And they were granting them gaming licenses. But anyway, I got my gaming license and uh, opened up a casino. Now, it wasn't one of the big casinos like you'd see on television. I, do you even have casinos here? You do? Sorry. Um, yeah, it wasn't one of the big casinos. And it wasn't one of the itty-bitty ones either, though. Um, my casino... Uh, My dance floor was the size of this room. And you could go in my place at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'd have more people in my casino than you have in here right now. And let me tell you, those slot machines make a lot of money. There was times we were pulling $20,000 a week out of one slot machine. They make a lot of money. And my casino was the hangout for all the FBI agents, the CIA workers, all the police officers, they were there all the time. Um, and I didn't even carry donuts, but that's where they went. It was just their place, you know? And, and uh, oh, all the city workers, and, uh, um, and of course, I had built-in security with all the police officers. One of them was actually my best friend, uh, the best man at my brother's wedding, was, was one of the police officers on the force. And, um, but if you've got built-in security like that, all the women that work the nightclubs, they felt safe there. So that's where they went. And, uh, of course you got the women, you got the guys. So you had this perfect mix for Sin City. And my job ended up being where I would go to different casinos and entice people to come to my property, sit down next to the dollar players, wherever those dollar players were, I'd just get right there and play the machines and give them free meal tickets to come to my place, take care of the bartenders and, you know, and more often than not, we'd see them in my property and, uh, yeah, it was a booming, booming business, you know. But, but the thing about it was I did not feel like that was where God wanted me to be. Uh, now, just to let you know, I was raised Catholic. I grew up in a Catholic home. I was even the altar boy in church for years until I became taller than the priest. And then they finally said, we've got to get somebody shorter up here. This just doesn't look right. And uh, so I got out of that duty and um, left the Catholic church. Uh, The day I left to go home, uh, to go to college, uh, like 92% of the population, according to the Barna group, 92% of the kids leave the faith within two years of leaving home. And that's all faiths. But 92%, that's a staggering number. And uh, so, but I was part of that 92%, and uh, here I am in Las Vegas with the You know, plenty of money to do anything I wanted to do, buy anything I wanted to buy. Had a crew 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but just something wasn't right. And God was just impressing upon me and impressing upon me. And the problem was I wasn't listening to God. You know, and when you're having so much fun in Sin City, you know, you just don't pay attention to these things. But uh, I'll tell you what. God just kept impressing upon me and impressing upon me. He never, ever gave up on me. And he's never giving up on any one of you. Amen? He does never, ever, ever gives up on us. And uh, he was showing me all these devastating things that were coming out of this casino business. And I mean, we had moms all the time coming in with their half-naked kids, looking for their boyfriends or husbands who were blowing the paychecks and the slot machines. and Oh, and they had that tone. They'd be walking in there like this. And my whole crew was trained. They knew how to spot it when it was coming in the door. They knew how to deal with it, break up the situation, get the kids away, get the conflict out of the building. I mean, we were very well trained, and uh, that's how often it happened. And uh, I had a kitchen table. We'd always get the kids fed and get them out of the situation. But, you know, these things are happening all the time, and God is just impressing upon me. I had one kid um, did an armed robbery, the day after he blew his paycheck in the slot machines. And my bartender was showing me the article in the paper. I mean, time and time again. And God was just showing me over and over and over. You know, and, and um, you know, but still I wasn't listening to God. You know, what you got to do is look up the word listen in the dictionary. One of the definitions of the word listen in the dictionary is actually Obedience. See, there's a lot of people listening to God with their ears, but they're not listening to God with their actions, doing what God is asking them to do. And I I was listening to God, I heard that he had something else, but I wasn't going any farther with this. And uh, man, when they started allowing the credit cards in the casinos, that's when I was there. And my bartender had the credit card machine behind the bar, so people could just swipe their credit cards and... She'd give them money for whatever they wanted, hundreds of dollars at a time. Um, uh, You know, it it was just that way. Um, One lady, I remember her swiping $100 here, $100 there. uh, Didn't think nothing of it. And then one day I was back behind the bar doing a liquor count. And she was with my bartender saying, here, see if you can get uh, $5 off this credit card. She'd pull another credit card. Here, see if you can get $10 off that. She was, I mean, trying every card in her purse, trying to get $5 to play a slot machine. Yeah, isn't that horrible? Well, you know, that's nothing compared to finding her with a bullet in her head, committing suicide, and orphaning three kids. You know, that's what that business does. That's Satan's job destroy, rob, kill. I mean, how do you think it felt to be at that funeral? And everybody pointing the finger saying that's where the money went. You know, I never went to a funeral. And I said, am I getting that desensitized by this industry that I never went to a funeral? You don't find casino owners at funerals. You just don't. It's not our job to wonder where the money's coming from or what's happening to the people when they leave. And, uh, but I prayed and prayed, and I said, Lord, I know you got something better for me. What do you want me to do? And he, he just told me, he says, get out of this business. And, and I got out of that business, and I've never been back since. Yeah, and, and I had enough money. You know, if I needed to take three or four or five years off of work and, you know, get into another line of work, uh, you know, that wasn't a big issue. And um, I ended up getting married. I thought I married Miss Wright. But I did not know her first name was Always <laughs> yeah, I married Miss Always Wright, and uh, <laughs> uh long story short, uh, when the money was gone, so was she and uh, <laughs> you know and uh the the interesting part was the closer I was getting to God, the more I was reading the Bible, the more I was praying, the farther away she was getting. You ever notice how that happens? yeah, and uh but yeah, she knew how to save money, I mean. <laughs> She'd save $100 on that new pair of shoes and uh, uh, save $1,000 on a new car every year and uh, save $10,000 on a house for her parents and almost saved me right into bankruptcy is what she did. And I ended up so broke. But yeah, long story short, money was gone, so was she. And um, uh, thank God I've got a wonderful godly wife now. What a blessing it is to have a godly woman in your life. Amen. Yeah, she couldn't be with me this weekend, but uh, yeah, what an absolute blessing she is, Brenda. And um, so, but yeah, here I was, basically penniless, with nothing, uh, and uh, you know, God tests a lot of people, like we were talking about this morning. He tries a lot of people and tests them in different ways, and you know, a lot of people, you know, he tests them through their prosperity, and other people, he's trying them through their uh, poverty, You know, and you look at the richest neighborhoods in the country. They have the least amount of churches, and they do the least amount of tithing. Because they're like, what do I need God for? I got everything I need. And then when people hit rock bottom, they give up on God. They're like, oh, we tried it your way. They're testing God in a way they should not be testing God. You know, and I said to myself, no, no, I'm not going to give up on the Lord. I said, I know that he's refining me and changing me. And I said, I'm going to get even closer to Christ. And I started spending time on my knees every single day. Now let me tell you, 15 minutes a day on your knees, that is 1% of your day. And if you will just start spending 1% of your day with Christ, he'll change your life. Just 1%. And it doesn't happen in one day or five or ten or a month. It was week after week and month after month and year after year after year. Of being on my knees, praying every day, reading, studying every single day. You know, I, I started going to different churches in Las Vegas. Went to over 200 churches. Whatever sins you want, Vegas has a church for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, oh, it's, it's crazy. They have churches inside the casinos. And I'm not talking about the chapels you get married at. I'm talking actual pastors that rent out property to have their church in the casinos. I know pastors that actually meet with the congregation before service to have cocktails at the bars. Other pastors actually have cocktails up on the pulpit when they're preaching. Um, one pastor, I have an article in the paper, he actually gives classes on how to play slot machines after service. And he justifies it with the Bible. I have talked to him. He's like, uh, well, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. So if you're, not doing, if you're not winning on the slot machines, then you're not right with God. And I'm like, excuse me? And you're supposed to be giving him your tithing dollars? I mean, finally I quit going to church altogether. I said, you know what? I just I can't go to these two-verse Charlies. They, they just take two verses of the Bible, and that's what they live by. And, uh, but yeah, a lot of churches I went to multiple, multiple times there and and years of doing that. uh, But I stayed in study. I stayed in prayer. I stayed reading the Bible every day. And for years, I never went to church. And then I ran across 3ABN on television, which I see you have 3ABN here. I'm getting it on my rabbit ears out here. Yeah. So that's a good thing. And, uh, I'm watching 3ABN and I'm like, they're teaching the whole message. I didn't know there was a, church out there that was teaching the whole message and uh the more i'm watching they're just validating what god had just spent the last 10 years teaching me and i knew about the sabbath from my brother who's married to a jewish girl and i was like why why aren't people honoring the sabbath like they're supposed to and and i was kind of convicting on it before i even watched 3abn and i'm like ah. but everything they were just validating over and over and over and i started sending 3abn checks i was like you guys are doing such a good job you know and and uh went to a, a paradise church in las vegas and and uh you know and, and as soon as i went there i was like wow this is this is amazing they're teaching the whole message and i'm looking for stuff you know <laughs> there's got to be something wrong with this church there's got to be something wrong you know didn't find it anywhere and uh but then uh, uh 3abn calls me up and says well why don't you come out and do a cooking show you know I, they knew i was a cook i was sending them letters and money and everything and I said, yeah, I'll come out. Yeah, no problem. So I bought a plane ticket and spent the money to go out there and went out there a couple more times and, uh, uh, ended up getting baptized by Jim Gilley over at three ABN, uh, seven years ago now. So yeah. And God has been using me ever since. Uh, of course I'm like Isaiah six, eight though, you know, send me, I'll go. Amen. We've got to be excited about serving the Lord. And, uh, you know, and even in Vegas, some people, we were back in Vegas over the holidays uh, uh, moving a house. And um, I had somebody come up to me and come up to us, and they, they said, uh, and they knew me from the casino business. And they were like, man, you're making that kind of money in that casino business? You need to get back in that business. And I just looked at them. I said, why would I ever go back to Egypt when I see the promised land right in front of me? Amen. We are this close to the promised land. This is not the time to be running back to Egypt. I know this is an upside-down world. We've got to wake up. We've really got to do a full 180 with the direction that we're taking here. I mean, in Vegas, I can't even show you the billboards. They're so horrible. they got billboards in Vegas, some of them that actually say, don't believe the truth. That's all it says. doesn't even have a company name on it. Uh, other ones that say, obey the serpent, for some nightclub. Uh, in, in fact, last time we were there, there was a billboard uh, at one of the major casinos for their nightclub that said, come worship with us Thursday nights, the way Vegas prays. This, this is how crazy it is. And of course, luck is everywhere. Luck, luck, luck. I mean, you can't even go to the restroom without somebody wishing you good luck in Vegas, and, um, oh, wait, wait, let me, I got to look here and see if yours is a potluck or a, let's see. No, it's a fellowship meal. Okay, okay. Yeah, you don't want it to say potluck. Okay. I mean, I'm from Vegas, but I don't want to roll the dice on my meal, okay? And luck, luck was derived from Lucifer. Luck was derived from Lucifer to take favor away from God. How come every time something good happens in your life, you were lucky? But every time something bad happens in your life, oh, that was from God. That was meant to be. Excuse me? If something bad happens in your life, I guarantee you Satan had something to do with it. And if something good happens in your life, we need to give God the praise and glory and thanks. Amen? Not be sitting here calling it luck. But this is how upside down the world is. And I'll tell you what, touring around the country, uh, you know, I never charge I've never charged a church for food costs, traveling expenses, and we just do a donation, and God has provided every single step of the way. Yeah, it's amazing. Even Alaska and Hawaii, airfare, hotels, God has provided every single step of the way. It's just been amazing. And, um, and I'll tell you, some of these places uh, uh, I go to might have 35 people in their congregation. 50 people show up to the cooking show. And a lot of I, sometimes I get people saying, "Mark, why do you mess with those churches? You know, they, all these other people that do events and musicians and stuff, because uh, they're all going after the big churches and the money churches." And and I just looked at uh, uh, last time it happened. I just looked at them and I said, "Well, why don't you? Doesn't God want us going everywhere? I mean, I go to churches that have prison bars on the windows in gang areas, little churches with twelve people in their congregation." Uh, one church had 12 people in their congregation. 50 people showed up to the cooking show. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, gang area, prison bars on the windows. They were dealing drugs outside all day long, flagging down cars. And uh, uh, we had 100 people show up at the cooking show. Uh, went back there the next year, same pastor. Out of those 100 people that were at that cooking show, Eight people who had never been in a Seventh-day Adventist church before came to the cooking show. Eight of them that were in baptismal classes, and three of them had already been baptized. And the second time, instead of 100, we had 225 people show up. You know, it's just the way it works. In fact, just like three days ago, uh, Jim Gilley's um, son-in-law called me up and said that one guy who came to the cooking show, who just felt impressed to go, this was earlier this year. He just got baptized last week. Never been in a, you know, he was like, well, I don't know why I'm here, but I just, you know. So I'm telling you, you know, invite friends to the cooking show. It's, it's such a wonderful thing to, uh, and we just have fun. It's just a motivational type of class, so. Um, but that's, that's, you know, and God just keeps me on that journey. Right now we're, we built a studio to do film production. Uh, we got that done, and now we're going to be filming all winter to get you videos that you can air in church and the list goes on and on so that would be really interesting to see how how God does that Um, uh, just keep taking steps we'll talk more about that uh, after after lunch but uh, yeah I just want to share with you how upside down this world is and because of that there's a couple things that we really really need okay we need action we need direction and we need discernment okay ADD Not the kind of ADD that you get from the chemicals and all the kids' cereals and stuff. Okay, we need godly ADD. Action, direction, and discernment. Um, Action. Uh, 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 James 1.22. Be ye not just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Amen. Uh, Direction. Let me go to um, Psalms here real quick. Because, see, this is the upside-down world. There's so many people saying, Lord, give me direction which is good sometimes, but I'm going to go to Psalms 4, 3, 5, 3. Let me go 5, 3. Psalms 5, 3, because this is the kind of direction we need. Psalms 5, 3. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. So more importantly than asking God for direction is to direct yourself to him. That's the kind of direction we got. Not this give me, give me, give me direction. Let's just turn it around and say, I give you my life to direct. You have to direct yourself to him in order for him to direct through you. You see how that works? That's the kind of direction we need. And then discernment, you can go a little bit farther over to Proverbs here, and I'm going to go Proverbs 2, 3, because discernment is so important. Ellen White talks about discernment more than any other subject in the Bible. Mm Mm-hmm. Look it up on the internet, you will find row after row after row, page after page after page about discernment. Uh, Proverbs two three. yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. We need action, we need direction, and we need discernment because this is such an upside down world. And I want to share with you how upside down it really is. Um, and I'm going to start with, uh, well, let me start with Hosea 12.6. Because this is how upside down, this is going to take your action right into it too. Hosea 12.6. Now, if you have, let's say, a NIV Bible, the NIV version is going to say, wait for the Lord. Now, my Bible here is a King, New King James Version. And it says, to wait on your God continually. And the original translation actually says, to serve the Lord always. So here's different Bibles out there that go from the original, to serve the Lord always, to waiting for the Lord. Isn't that like the exact opposite? They're kind of bipolar here, isn't it? So we got to understand... There is a time to wait for the Lord, amen? But in this particular case, you're supposed to wait on the Lord like a waiter or waitress waits on somebody in a restaurant with action, doing things. That's what waiting on the Lord is. But Satan will change one word here. He'll change one word there. He just does these little itty-bitty changes that nobody ever notices. And then over generations later, people finally realize it's just like the Sabbath, I mean, that took hundreds of years, hundreds of years, for Sunday to be built up and for the Sabbath to be pressed down. Satan's plan took hundreds of years for that to happen. And if you really study that out, you'll see that. I mean, um, but that's why we've got to understand all these little tricks that Satan is doing. Another thing that Satan does is what we call the bundling effect. He bundles definitions together. Right now, satan is literally putting people in a state of hope that's what's happening and let me i got funny looks i got to share this with you here um, let me see yeah hope 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 oh satan's doing the hope thing on the whole world um, here now you got to get this this is going to blow you away these are definitions of hope in the bible uh, here we go there's some good ones Safety, confidence, trust, a place of refuge, uh, assurance, confidence. You know, there's some good ones. But these are definitions of hope in the Bible, too. Without care, carelessness is a definition of hope in the Bible. To be careless, to attach oneself, the folly of relying upon any other type of security strongly contrasted with depending on God alone. So they're bipolar, hope. One who is overconfident and shows no caution whatsoever. These are actual definitions of hope. And my favorite one, an expressed sense of resignation. There is nothing more one can do. Now, doesn't that sound like hopelessness rather than hope? So we've got to understand there's a big difference between hope being a noun, our hope is Jesus Christ, and hope being a verb, which is an earthly, ungodly hope. But what Satan has done is bundled it all together, the bundling effect, all into one big package, puts a pretty little ribbon on it, and then hands it off to people saying, all you need is hope, and everything's going to be fine. It's actually a form of insanity. Now, you know what insanity is, right? Doing the same thing over and over, but expecting a different result. That's what people are doing with hope today, They're hoping for the same thing over and over, but expecting a different result. They're hoping they get a job without ever actually looking for a job. You know, they're hoping that administrations can do something, or they're hoping the economy changes. They're hoping their health will change without ever changing their lifestyle. It's crazy. It's absolute insanity. I mean, is there going to be hope in heaven? No. Because we're going to have our hope fulfilled in heaven. Amen? And see, that's the way we need to be here on earth right now, is having our hope fulfilled, knowing that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, not hoping that he is our Lord and Savior. Are you catching the differences here? But Satan does this bundling effect. He wants everything bundled together so you don't realize the truths of the Bible. I mean, he's doing the same thing with faith. Oh, from the Sabbath school today, I had to keep quiet here for a minute. Faith. Oh, man. Let me share this with you here. Uh, In fact, I'm going to go to James 2.14. I've got to find it here. James (sighs) 2.14. Faith. There are so many people out there that actually believe that we are saved by faith. We are saved by faith. But it's not your faith that's saving you. There are so many people that think, my faith is what saves me. If your faith is what saves you, then what do you need a Savior for? Amen? You cannot save yourself. So obviously, your faith cannot save you. And God's faith... um, Oh, I need James. Uh, James 2.14, I think is where we were going. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? And the answer is no. Now, we've got to understand there's a difference between faith in Christ, which is our faith, and faith of Christ, which is the saving faith. The faith, the saving faith, we are saved by faith, is that covenant that Christ has with us. That is the saving faith. We have to understand the difference between these different faiths. Amen? This is what I'm showing you. But it's always about I. I have faith. I, I, I. Um, Oh, uh, uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Look at the original text. It says something totally different. It doesn't say I can do all things. It says, I do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that amazing difference between I can being self and I do, which is humbling yourself, allowing Christ to go work through you. Huge difference. But this whole world is on this I, 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 I can, I can. And we gotta understand that we can't, but God can. You know, and, and now, uh, uh, satan's been working on grace so heavily over the years i mean grace used to be something so precious and so reverent and it's just got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper over generations now we're looking at free grace for everybody oh this is a big movement free grace free grace free grace. i would much rather hear it be called priceless grace do you know the price that was paid on the cross? for this grace that people today take so frivolously. And nowadays, people are expecting their grace. They're even demanding their grace. Today's youngest generations actually believe that they receive grace without ever going to church, without ever tithing, without ever praying, without ever reading the Bible. This is how twisted Satan has turned grace. And there's different types of grace, just to let you know. I won't get into that today. That's a whole sermon. But just to let you know, there are different types of grace. There's grace that are blessings. There's grace. I love Andrews University's uh, definition of grace. They call it God's work. I thought that was really good. Um, but then there's salvational grace. Now, when it comes to salvational grace, you want the least amount of grace possible. James 6.1, shall we... Continue to sin, thus grace may abound? Certainly not. God forbid. And if you read through there, you're going to find out the different types of grace there that we need. And so, but the reason I'm pointing this out is because you can see the big picture now. And if you look around the country, even in the Adventist churches, uh, especially mainstream churches, you have all these faith churches and all these hope churches and all these grace churches. And the reason is because people are just looking for that silver bullet. I've got faith. I'm saved. I've got grace. I'm saved. I obey God's commandments. I'm saved. You see, and all Satan's doing is dividing and separating. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. We've got to understand that we need the whole message. We need the whole picture. You can't go to heaven without faith. Amen? Amen. You can't go to heaven without grace. You can't go to heaven if you refuse to obey God's commandments. So we've got to understand that we need the whole picture. We cannot let Satan divide. And nowadays, even the, the newest churches, it's all the love churches. Just market love. Just put the love of Christ out there. You know, and and mainstream says, well, as long as you love your neighbor and as long as you're a good person and you know, then you'll be saved. And it's like but that's really not what the bible teaches you know love is a way we conduct ourselves it's not a salvation you know we need to conduct ourselves properly but this is how upside down the world is and that's why i wanted to share this with you just to give you a little wake-up call as to how satan's doing things so craftily and we need to be aware of these things and we need the whole picture of the bible not just bits and pieces of it but that's how upside down the world is and um, Oh, I'll share here. I'll share another one with you from Sabbath School today. This was so great from Sabbath School. Um, do you know? And we'll do this by a show of hands, just for the fun of it. How many of you know that it's the saved people who are burning for all eternity? I got one, two. That know the saved people. It's the saved people that are burning for all eternity. i got like two people. All right, well, you're going to have to do the homework because they're all looking at me funny on this one. Isaiah 33, 14 is where we're going to go with this. Isaiah 33, 14, because this is a real wake-up call. It actually uh, it actually confirms other things about eternal hellfire and things like that as well, too. Um, Isaiah 33, 14. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among you shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Here's the answer. He who walks righteously and speaks upright. He who despises the gain of oppressions. Who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes. Who stops his ear from hearing bloodshed. And shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given to him and his water will be sure. See, it's the saved people that are burning for all eternity. Look at Hebrews 12.29. It says, God is a consuming fire. And we are going to be in the presence of this consuming fire for all eternity. But we will not be harmed. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they went through the fiery furnace. They were not harmed in any way, shape, or form. Because they were in the presence of the Lord. Remember, there was another in there. And see, it's the people who are not saved, who cannot stand to be in the presence of the Lord that are going to get burned up and end up being the ashes under our feet, right? Is this really catching on to you now? And I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, well, if we're going to be on fire for all eternity, why don't we be on fire for the Lord now, amen? Oh, we've got to quit being this lukewarm Laodicea mentality church. Oh, I'm telling you, there's, around the country, I find so many people that have a pride. Oh, we're the Laodicea church, we are the last church before Christ returns. Well, that's true if you're looking at a chronological order. But, in the end day when Christ returns, there is another church here. And that's the Philadelphia church. And you guys can look this up, but I'm going to go to Revelation 3.10. You should read all about the churches in the end in Revelation. But Revelation 3.10 is talking about the Philadelphia church. And it says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on it. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he, sh- and he shall go out no more. So this is what I'm trying to say, is we need to transform our hearts and our minds from being a Laodicea church into a Philadelphia church. And the way you do that is getting on fire for the Lord. You do that by getting a passion to serve, a passion, a burning desire to do things, action, direction, discernment, We've got to do things. One of the best things you can do is be a part of ministries. You know, God is always asking you to do something. You know, and there's so many people out there that say, okay, I've got to get up and sing a song today, or I've, I've got to do this for the church. How about I get to do this? Hmm? I get to serve the Lord. I'm so privileged that I get to go around the country, you know, being able to serve the Lord in this way. It's an absolute blessing, but that's how upside down the world is. And let me tell you, there's too many people only giving God 10 they're, percent. They're only giving God 30 you percent. know I think we need to give God 100 percent. You know our, Would it be okay to marry somebody who's uh, only going to give you a 50 percent commitment? Would it be okay if your spouse only cheated on you 30% of the time? Now, aren't we supposed to be preparing ourselves for the most spectacular wedding in the history of the universe? Then what are we doing going into this with a partial commitment? We need to have a full commitment, that dedication that goes along with it. In fact, let me share with you, I've got one more thing I want to share with you here since I'm thinking about it, and this is from the Great Controversy, page 595, Um, the multitudes do not want biblical truth because it interferes with the desires of the sinful world-loving heart, and Satan supplies the deceptions which they love, but God will have a people upon the earth to maintain the Bible and only the Bible as the standard of all doctrines and the basis of all reforms. Uh, She continues here, Satan is now putting forth an utmost effort for a final struggle against Christ and his followers. The last great delusion is soon to open before us. Antichrist is to perform him marvelous works in our sight. So closely will the counterfeit resemble the truth that it will be impossible to distinguish between them except by holy scriptures. And none But those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. So I'm saying we need to read more. We need to pray more. We need to study more. We need to have that action. We need to have that direction. And we need to have that discernment. Just, you know, and keep taking those steps. God will guide your path. As long as you keep taking those steps. Yes, pray for discernment. In fact, let me share with you, because I just... uh, I'm in the middle of a letter here that I'm writing to my prison uh, lady. I've got a lady in prison. Her name's Erin. She's serving a life sentence for murder. Um, born and raised, Seventh-day Adventist. Killed a woman and her unborn baby. And she's serving a life sentence. In Vegas, just got into the drugs and the Vegas lifestyle. And, and uh, she's been, I think, eight or nine years in prison now. and uh, Her aunt gave me call and wanted me to write her a letter so I did and we've been pen pals now for oh maybe seven years and uh, and I've visited her many times uh, and I'll tell you what a change she's had in her life. She decided to rededicate her life to Christ and she quit working on the Sabbath. They punished her, put her in a room with 20 girls. That's what they do to people that don't work. But God gave her an opening to work Monday through Friday at the loading docks, and she's been working there for years, and, uh, and I send her letter after letter after letter, every single step, you know, sanctification and salvation and forgiveness, and the list goes on. She ended up uh, a couple of years ago asking the boss at the loading docks if she could bring in a portable baptismal, and the, the guy said, yeah, and there's a Pastor Al that comes from northern Nevada down there, and She had a baptism in prison, baptized 19 girls in prison. And over the years, I I don't know how many, probably a dozen baptisms. I know the biggest baptism she had had 29 girls baptized in prison. This is a girl in prison doing more than most of us are doing out here. And I'll tell you what, she has got to have discernment because people are coming up to her. They want to confide in her. And they're testing her to see if she's worthy for them to confide in. And so she, and, and even the, Guards have told me that she's the real deal and when people have problems like the prisoners they send them to her for counseling I mean she's just on fire for the Lord she is just rock solid and on fire and it's amazing not letting anything everything bounces off of her so yeah but uh, yeah pray for her Aaron's her name Jeremiah 29 11 through 13 for I know the thought's That I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you and I will... And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God has a purpose for every single one of us. All we have to do is open our hearts and allow him to come into our hearts change us from the inside out and put that fire and that passion in our hearts to serve him to love him to follow him take those steps commit your life to Christ expand the life that he has given you so that your life can be the gift to him that he has given you Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you for the blessing of this beautiful Sabbath. And uh, we know that Satan keeps shooting these arrows at us left and right and bigger arrows. But we know that we have a stronger God, one that will protect us from all these attacks. And and we know Satan's just doing that because he knows his last arrow is soon to be shot. And you're taking us home for all eternity. So let us leave today, Lord, taking this Sabbath day not only as a day of reverence, but a day of celebration, a mirror image of that thousand-year Sabbath that you have waiting for us just around the corner. Can't wait till those trumpets sound. In Jesus' name, amen.